Well, hello and good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday night study. Uh, I guess, was it last Wednesday that we had to shut down because of potential freezing rain? And um, the way it turned out, that probably was a good decision. So hard to know in, in Texas if for what might happen. Um, so tonight we will res- resume our regular live Wednesday meeting. And uh, we'll be in Psalm 32 pre-studying for Sunday morning. But before that, I did want to show you some things I was planning to show you on John. So um, with that said, let's ask the Lord's blessing on our time together. Our Father, we do thank you for uh, the weather that we're enjoying now. Last week, uh, the conditions such that we didn't feel it'd be safe to have folks on the road. Uh, Today, 70 degrees, clear skies. We thank you for the, the beauty of the world you created. We thank you, Father, for uh, the, the comforts that we enjoy and the freedoms that we enjoy here. We pray for our brothers and sisters uh, who uh, need your protection, need your care, need your comfort, wherever they may be. And Lord, now we ask your blessing and presence with us in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So, some quick thoughts on the Gospel of John, where we left off. And by the way, so I think next week, is that a third Wednesday? Okay, I always need some help here. So we'll be back to the book studies, men starting our new book next Wednesday. But, but just some thoughts on the Gospel of John. I tried to pretend I was a map on Sunday and I always kept confused. Was I thinking right, left, east, west correctly? This map is a little bit helpful. You can kind of see uh, some of the main things that I pointed to before. Of course, up here is just the bottom of the Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, uh, De- Jordan River down to the Dead Sea. And so you see how the, the children of Israel in this section came down uh, to a, the, a lot and came up around Edom to, and so we catch them in this area. This next map is a little better for showing it, though it's kind of busier. Um, but you notice, you see, this kind of gives a, doesn't include some of the area of travel up here. But here is Egypt. This is the Sinai Peninsula we hear people talk about. That's where they wandered for those 40 years. But then you see as they came, this part, you see where the, you can kind of see the cross with the snakes on it and the fiery serpents. I don't know if you can see that from where you are. But um, so this gives you a feel from where they were. They'd spent all this time in the wandering in the wilderness. Now they're in this um, east of the Jordan River in what would be now modern-day Jordan. And I thought I'd give you some more sense of what that looks like. I mentioned the very uh, famous Petra. Here is the, uh, here's a glimpse of Petra. You have to go like about a mile uh, walk or uh, donkey ride in, horse ride, depending what you want to do. Uh, but here is this city carved out of stone. On the way there, this is the kind of environment that you will pass. Um, so you see the, uh, if, you, if you are noticing some of these dark spots out there, are uh, those are Bedouin encampments, uh, tents. Um, uh, here's, a, again, just a, a sense there is stuff for the goats and sheep to kind of eat. But... You can imagine where the people are starting to grumble. Where are we going to get water? Are they getting tired of the manna? This is likely the road they were on. <laughs> no, it wasn't like that, was it? And that's the problem. But um, again, here's another just bare, you know, this is wilderness. You see the Bedouin there. You see some of their, their flocks. Um, here's a shepherd with the goats and the sheep. It shows you how the rockiness is. If you look at the little, if you can see on top of these stones, there's some little piles of stones. Those are uh, probably boundary markers. You know how Proverbs says, uh, curse on the one who moves a boundary stone. But, but you know, as you just imagine, you know, somewhere ranging between 100 and 220 degrees, no, no real readily available water God provided, and, and just... Uh, so they were getting weary. They started complaining, and, God, and so God sent the serpents. So, so that was John. 
I wanted you to kind of get a feel of what that looked like. Now let's look at Psalm 32. That's what we're that's what we're going to be looking at for our selected Psalm Sunday evening. Did I say Sunday evening before? Sunday evening, and John will be in John chapter three, verses sixteen uh, through eighteen will be our Sunday morning message. But here's our text. It's only eleven verses. I'll read the whole thing. I encourage you to follow in your Bible as I do. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Well, let's begin just kind of walking through some of the basic um, verses. Before we do, though, any reactions? Just uh, what, do you, what are some of the themes, do you think, uh, ideas? What are the big ideas in this song? Sin and forgiveness, yeah, okay. Where last psalm, I think, was Psalm 19, all about God, God's revelation in, in nature and, and scripture. Uh, this is a, um, a psalm a lot, emphasizing sin and forgiveness. Um, now, if you noticed, I, I guess I, um, oh, that's going to get me in trouble if I try to read from Job 32. <laughs> we'll all get confused. Um, I guess I did not copy out when I was copying the text. It begins, a psalm of David, a contemplation. Some of your translations may have a transliteration of the Hebrew, a maskil. Um, That maskil comes from a word meaning wisdom or instruction. And so this is a a teaching psalm. So this is a, a psalm that's meant to be sung, but also it's instructional. Okay, now back on to chapter 32, verse 1 and 2. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. First thing is, as you're reading that, can you think of another psalm that begins with the word blessed like that? Psalm 1. Oh, the, uh, blessed is the man who does not walk after the counsel of the ungodly. It's the same Hebrew word. It's, it's, a, it's the plural word for blessings. And so it has the idea of, oh, the blessings. It multiplied blessings. Um, what were the blessings of Psalm 1? You'll stand before the Lord. Okay, they're going to stand before the, in the, in the, in the, among the righteous before the Lord, unlike the wicked that are like chaff. What else was a blessing in Psalm 1? Pardon me? Fruitful. And they don't walk in, in, in man's wisdom, they walk in God's wisdom. Their, their delight is in the law of the Lord. They meditate on it day and night. What's the blessings... Of this song. 
Does he have deceit? Well, they don't have any deceit. Reconciliation with God. Okay. Reconciliation with God. I hear sins covered. Forgiveness. So if it strikes me, Psalm 1, oh, the blessings of the one who doesn't walk after folly, but walks according to God's word. Psalm 32, oh, the blessings of the one who can be restored when he didn't walk after God's word. You see, so one is more emphasizing the blessings of forgiveness and restoration. The first one is, oh, the blessings of the walk of obedience. So, interesting. Um, what does the word impute? Okay, just a quick, I don't know if you can remember. How many, time, how many use that word this week? Probably not. Uh, what does... What does impute mean? How do we see it used in the Bible? Put on account. Put on account, okay. What did you say? Say it. you say it, say Put on somebody's account. Sometimes we, it'll be translated, or we use the word reckon. And so it has the idea of, of um, and that's why we know, when it says reckon, that's why we know the Bible was written in the southern regions. Uh, do you really reckon that was true? So um, God is not imputing. God is not holding them accountable. It's not put on their account. And so, uh, that, but that's an important word because that comes up over in Romans. It's not, by the way, if you did a quick search on the word impute in New King James, I can't remember now, it's in five or six um, books and it's not, It's like, I would have thought, okay, it's going to be all over the book of Romans. It's once in the book of Romans, and that's quoting Psalm 32. Um, At least the English word. Now, we get into the Greek, and that gets a little more complex. Okay, so we see some blessings, some things to notice. So let's ask this question. What words, so these are some observational things, right? Remember Bible study methods? Observe. And then you uh, interpret, and then you apply. What are some words he uses to describe sin? Transgression. Transgression. Sin. Iniquity. Deceit. Okay. Anything else? I think that's pretty good. That's what I got. Transgression and sin, these are the things he's saying that they have this, but God um, forgives it and doesn't hold against them. And in that person, they have no deceit. Okay, translation check. Um, So this is the forgiven person. He has no deceit. What are some other words for that? He has no guile. How many have used that word this week? It's a lot of these words we don't think about too often. All right, here's an here's a extra credit question. Can you think of any other place in the Bible where it was said of him, he has there, no guile? In whom is found no guile? Of Christ, okay. Anyone else? Um, one of the disciples when he saw him, the Nathaniel. Nathaniel. When Nathaniel came on the scene, Jesus said, an Israelite or a Hebrew in whom there is no guile. And um, again, that's a remarkable statement. How did Jesus know that? Of course, we know that, but Nathaniel was, but also it rang true. He knows me. How do you know me? But notice, this, that's a description, not of a sinless person, but of a forgiven person. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit, and no deceit or guile. Okay? Um, so, what are those words? Let's take those three maiden words 
Transgression, sin, iniquity. I want to just give you a quick thought of what each one means, all right? The word transgression, you know, this, at least this Hebrew word, um, sometimes, I think it might be tra- tra- transgression, might translate a couple of words, but uh, basically it means rebellion or saying no. Um, that's that, it's, it's the word that just, uh, def- it's defiance. So transgression is a hard-hearted obedience. Uh, the, I read one commentator, or maybe I was listening, uh, described it of a, of a when, I guess when he was younger, one of his brothers uh, was told to go upstairs, and he said, basically, no. And there were some um, painful consequences that made a little bit of progress, but the, apparently the communication needed to continue all the way upstairs. Um, but the point was, this person writing the commentary remembered, that was bald faced defiance so transgression is rebellion okay so that so that he starts off is you know bless the man who whose rebellion isn't held against them you know a lot of times we like to soft pedal sin words mistake or whatever we might use this is rebellion okay the word sin you probably heard this one means Missing the mark. And it's interesting. It means that in Greek and in Hebrew. This is the standard word for um, uh, sin. And it's like hundreds of times in the Old Testament. The standard word for sin in the New Testament uh, also means to miss the mark. And it it can be used of archery. And so the idea then is this is sin that uh, doesn't measure up to the standards of God's righteousness. And so... Uh, this is a, a failing to obey. Okay. So rebellion, missing the mark, and then iniquity has the idea of twisting or distorting or perverting. And so it's twisting God's standards. It's it's a um, it's a um, you get the impression it's it's turning God's word around, turning God's will around. And uh, have you ever heard anyone in open sin and saying, yeah, but I know God wants me to do this. And, and you know, your, your thought is, and maybe your words are, no, no. <laughs> um, where, how do you get that idea? You know what the Bible says. And that ability to twist, to just take God's will and just totally turn it around in, in, in defiance. So all three of these words are used here, okay? Good. Any other comments? Now, you guys can do this on your little apps. You can look up these words and see, you know, they'll give you some of these definitions. Pardon me? It's kind of like the end justifies the means. Yes, that would be a good example where that would come up, where the end justifies the means. Um, Or, or, you know, well, well, Jesus was uh, angry when he cleansed the temple. Um, so I can be uh, harsh and unkind and, 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 and just mean. No, 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 no. <laughs> and so just, but that idea of twisting, just turning God's way around. Like a perversion of the truth is, is basically that, right? Perversion of the truth, perversion of God's moral standards. Just, yeah. But so, the, so just think, that's the idea of just a twisting. And, and, and sometimes people, just their lives just seem all twisted up. And so there's lots of words to describe it. And I don't think David wants us to uh, heart, uh, spend all the time thinking what, is, what he's trying to say is sin is, has, has many, um, many flavors. And they're all bad. <laughs> but in other words, there's many ways sin can show up in our lives. It's not all dig your heels in bold rebellion. Um, it, but there's various ways it can show up. Okay. Well, let's go on to verses 3 and 4. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. 
Selah. When they kept silent. You ever come in? How many, how many of you have at some point have had a, a pet in your life? Have you ever come in and found that they have been a, a naughty little pet? And they, they're not going to fess up to it. They don't want to talk about it. That to me is a picture of some of us when we sin. We just kind of clam up in our relationship to, with God and to each other. Um, here we, we keep silent. So that's the idea. So what are we supposed to do when we sin? Confess and repent. Right. Keeping silent is, um, I'm not going to admit it. And I'm not going to change. Do you ever see that even in our human relationships? Maybe a harsh word was said, you know you're wrong. But you're not going to say anything about it. And, and, um, and so you, it just kind of simmers in there. And so he said, uh, when I kept, what was the result when he, when he kept silent about his sins? It was physically affected. You know, sometimes we call that a psychosomatic. Uh, Our emotions can affect our health. Um, I remember uh, I took a pastoral counseling course taught by a psychiatrist. And he said, can you uh, uh, think of an example of a psychosomatic um, uh, result of what sin or whatever, I can't remember if sin or whatever it was. And one of the answers that was correct was death. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty strong physical effect from an emotional problem. Um, so when I kept my, my, bro, my bones grew old, I mean, I, I ached in my innermost being. Um, maybe this guy's a picture of that. You know, it struck me that some of the things that, that he describes here are similar to what some people will experience with depression. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, that, that there's the direct correlation here, but just some of the feelings of it. Um, withdrawal, keeping silent, just this feeling of misery. Uh, my, my bones grew old. Um, just a just sense of uh, aching within all through my, my groaning all day long. Again, that same teacher, I remember he, uh, he was from a, a different country. It was either Louisiana or Arkansas. I can't remember which one. But he talked about, uh, you know, one of the, he was talking about some of the ways that depression manifested itself. And he said one of the ways depression manifests itself is in sign breathing. And everyone was saying, what? Sign breathing. And everybody in the class was kind of looking at each other. What does he mean? What is sign breathing? And finally, someone said, from the back, it was really kind of fun and embarrassing. Someone from the back room said, oh, he means sighing breathing. I said, right, sign breathing. <laughs> so like I said, he was from a foreign country. And <laughs> um, but, but notice, groaning all day long. Have you ever been maybe maybe sick, physically sick, and you just kind of find yourself groaning and, oh, I just don't feel, oh. Well, again, emotional things can do that, but sin can do that. What he's saying is, I was miserable. What does the devil tell you sin will do for you? It will, it will give you the happiness that God doesn't want you to have. What's the reality? Oh, my bones ache. I'm groaning all day long. And, and where does that, one of the problems here, where does that come from? Partly it's my own guilt. But he says, your hand was heavy upon me. He recognized that God wasn't going to let him be comfortable in his sin. And can I say, that's a mercy. 
Uh, parents, um, you are not doing your child a favor if you don't um, address issues of sin in their lives and, and uh, disobedience. And God loves us too. And he's not, he loves us so much, he's not going to leave us alone in our guilt. And so he said, and, and, and here's, now think about David. By the way, many say this is the same situation of Psalm 51, the sin with Bathsheba. He doesn't say that. So it can't be dogmatic, and maybe it's, we're supposed to take this as more generically. But God will, will put, if, if we're continuing in sin, and, and, and I think this is, I, I don't know that we could say this is true of an unbeliever. Remember, the book of Hebrews says, God only chastises his children. Now, get David, remember, he knew God's word. He was a king in Israel. And as a king in Israel, one of the laws was he had to copy out at least the book of Deuteronomy by hand and have his own personal copy. He knew God's word. And he's a believer. And, but he sinned. And God, in his mercy, put his hand on him. And so what I'm gathering is through the whole thing, he knew God's hand was on him. And he kept on. And stubborn, unwillingness to talk to God in confession and repentance. Your hand was heavy upon me. He goes on. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Now, if you're from Seattle, you don't know what this means. Uh, but if you're from a tropical region of the world, or, or if you're from Texas, do you know what fa- the, the, the fatigue of summer heat is? And I just like, it just drag, you, know, you find yourself dragging. You know how funny I see it with, our, with animals. Our dog, you know, come summer, she barely will walk around the block. She says, oh, i got to get home. And she just kind of really sedate. Come winter, she's bouncing and bouncing. It's cold out there. And, and I understand horses can be the same way. And, fra- and frankly, can be a little, you have to be careful with horses because they might be just a little too excited and you've got to settle them down. But heat, he said, my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. It, it just, my, his sin was sucking the energy out of him. Again, sin isn't fun. It, 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 this is what guilt will do to us. Any thoughts on that? Yes, sir. Is that kind of like his conscience? Yeah. You know, he, he, you know, he's not talking to God. I'm being silent. But at some point, he almost has to not talk to himself. You know, he, he knows what he's doing is wrong. He knows the right thing to do, and he won't do it, and, he, and it's making him miserable. Okay, so, so that's, um, you know, one thing we can pray for, for someone that we know that's uh, uh, in, can, in sin and not repentant, is that God will lovingly make them miserable in their sin. Because that's part of what draws us to uh, repentance. But yeah, it's, it's the conscience is working on him. And then it manifests even with physical symptoms. And again, that's that thing. There is a t- relationship between our emotional and our physical being. And it can make you miserable. You know, one person suggested that maybe this is kind of like what Paul was talking about in First Corinthians. We just said some of you... Uh, are, are approaching the Lord's table with sin, and so some of you are sick and even dying. You know, was it something like this? So, <clears throat> think about that. When you're contemplating sin, think about Psalm 32. It is, it, I, I, my friends are telling me this is the path of fun. Mm, not. God tells me it's not. Okay. Psalm 32, verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to him. 
and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Um, sometimes, if you have a really, I don't want to get too, a bad sore, and it's just really, really sore, and sometimes the very best thing, don't do this without medical advice, but you know, sometimes a doctor will lance a wound, and just getting a release from the pressure is, is a mercy. And so that, he's talking, that I, I lanced the, the abscess on my soul. Notice the words for sin. What do you notice about them? Same ones. Same ones. Same ones. So, so he's tracking through. I acknowledged my sin. My iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave the twisting of, of my sin. And then the word selah is... Uh, or Selah it, uh, has the idea of, um, we don't know. Some have suggested it's a pause, a musical interlude. Um, it's, it's kind of not sure. Yeah, you get the impression, and it, notice it's right through here often. It seems like maybe it's a pause. And, I don't know, um, and maybe the music is supposed to go in there, but just a pause to think. So he talked about his sin, and notice what he did. I acknowledge, I have not hidden, I confess. That's the opposite of, I was, you know, I was silent. So I'm starting to see some, um, some counsel for someone in sin. First, don't sin. It'll make you and those who love you miserable. And it'll offend God and make him miserable. Two, if you sin, don't waste your time staying in the sin. Repent. How do I, what, what do you mean? Acknowledge it. Agree with God. Don't try, don't, by the way, can you hide your sin from God? It's just, you know, it's like the child, you walk in and, chocolates all over their face and there's wrappers all around their feet and they're hiding a box behind them and, he said, and they said I haven't, I haven't gotten into candy come on acknowledge it I know um, confess agree with God so he talked about his the misery of being in sin and then he talked about how he acknowledged and confessed. Remember he said before, your, your hand was heavy upon me. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. I was groaning all day long. Your hand was heavy on me. And then you forgave. Um, I acknowledged my sin, my iniquity I have not hid, and I said I will confess my transgressions. You forgave. This is an interesting word for forgive. It's the word meaning to lift up. It's one of the first uh, verbs I learned in Hebrew. And, and, I had, and especially when I was just starting, I had to kind of give myself ways of remembering it. For example, the word for fear was yare. And so I thought of a ray gun, yare gun. Um, this to lift up, this one's pretty easy, nasah. NASA. And so, so when I see this, we're, oh, NASA, it lifts up. And so you lift it up. And you know, notice the sense here of, I was under your crushing blow, and you lifted it from me. I didn't. I can't. I can confess, but you can lift it. You forgave. And then he goes on. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. 
Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. You're my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. What's he saying here? What's that? The Lord will protect him. The Lord will protect him. Put a, put a hedge of protection around him. Okay. So when a flood of waters come, you know, you'll, you'll protect him. You know, kind of, now, it's not specifically floods, but that's just a picture of when calamities will come, God will be with you. Because you're now restored in a walk with him. And so he says, you are my hiding place. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Where before I was all quiet, now songs of deliverance are in my heart. So he went from this place of being crushed under guilt. And now he says, you're my hiding place. And God's hand is no longer weighing him down. It's, he wants to be in the hand of God. So that's one of the so this is the fruit. This is the blessing that he was missing in his rebellion. So in verses eight and nine, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not touch, do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else you would not come near. So question Who is speaking? Who's the eye? I will. Who's speaking? God. Any other options? Could it be David speaking to the people hearing, reading a psalm? He's learned a lesson. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. Come Sunday, and I'll hopefully we'll have decided which one it is. Good commentator, because he doesn't say. I mean, there's nothing strong that says it must be God, but it's work. It's counsel. Well, yeah. Uh, so the New King James writers think that must be God, but there are no capitals in Hebrew. Ryrie says David. Ryrie says David. Yeah, you know, yeah. And so good people back and forth uh, can. Um, so that might, if you're studying this, so using any kind of a study guide or something, you might see who, 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 which, who votes here. So that's what we'll do on Sunday. Uh, we'll pass around ballots. You uh, write it down the number for and against and whatever your commentary is, and I'll, that's who I'll agree with. It's a maskeel. It's a teaching song. And so here comes the teaching. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or the mule. So, um, so listen. And he says, don't be like the horse. What's he comparing? What's he saying? Why not be like a horse or mule? What's wrong with horses and mules? Can you help me contain? What's that? They're just kind of wild and out there. Well, they could be, okay, they could be wild and out there. They need direction. Okay. Notice he says they must be harnessed with bit and bridle or they won't come near you. Especially, I'm thinking the mule. And so what he's saying is, don't, don't make it hard. Because if, you, if, you, if you're resisting God, who's going to win this one? Okay? And so, why be foolish? <laughs> why resist? You know, why be miserable? Yield to the Lord. This is, that's the path of blessing. By the way, do you see who's riding? The, did you notice there's a rider? Okay, good. Okay, last couple of verses. Many sorrows shall be on the wicked, but he who trusts the Lord, shall, the mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord, rejoice, you righteous, shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So what, here's, here's the point. Sorrows will, shall be to the wicked. 
if maybe you've been through this in your life, where you've been through a season of, of, of sin, and you can remember and know the sorrows. Maybe, and this is a struggle, you know someone. It might be someone close, a friend, a family member. And you see them choosing the path of sin. And it's a path of sorrow. You know, and it just, it grieves and breaks your heart to see them being like that stubborn mule, fighting, fighting, fighting. But he who trusts in the Lord will use his words like, Rejoice, you righteous. Be glad in the Lord. Shout for joy. So Satan's lie is the way of, of fun is in the way of sin. God's truth says the way of sin is the way of sorrow. The way of obedience, the way of faith is the path of joy. And when I think, oh, but it would embarrass me, it would hurt me to confess and acknowledge, yeah, for a moment, but the joy of, rele- of letting it go, much greater. Kind of like back to Psalm 1, the wicked way the wicked shall perish. Yeah, they perish, they're like chaff, they wither, whereas the righteous prosper. Yeah. So here it's emphasizing, there it was emphasizing more, the way of the righteous prospers. Here it's the way of the wicked withers. So don't go that way. And so, the, you know, the question, or obviously the issue here is, which will you choose? So it's a good psalm to remember. If ever you're under conviction, recognize God's gracious hand. Maybe you know someone that's struggling. It can at least help you to pray, and maybe you even point out to them. Um, Have you ever thought that the reason you're having such a difficult time is you're constantly resisting God's will? And, And maybe you need to stop resisting him and start obeying him. Okay, I have one other slide for you to see, to just a little test with me or something. There's all this, there's all the portions. Okay, I've got them into six sections of the psalm. Now, here's the question. Do the, as, as we've walked through the psalm, it's a little hard for you. You know, those are up there. I don't know how well you can see those, kind of. Um, is the order of the slides flow with the events are they in the right order chronologically in David's experience probably no. no what's wrong the first one should be after three okay or the first one is assumes the repentance has come good so, so number one, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and put it all the way at the end, just because it's after the repentance. Good. So then, to interpret our Bibles, the best question we often ask is, why, why take something out of order and put it up in the front? Pardon me. Because it's all happened in the past. It's all in the past. Yes, so he's writing from the experiences. So his present experience is joy. Good. It's a good summary of, of, of where the psalm is going. Good. What else? So one commentary said this was like a follow-on from Psalm 51. Kind of like, okay, after, in retrospect. Hmm. If it goes with Psalm 51, and many, if not most, uh, say it does, or easily could, um, yeah, here is the, the joy of release. But also here is the, some more insight, how miserable he was until he released. Um, yeah. And also, maybe it's, it's a way of reaching people more effectively. If you start off just with, you're going to be miserable if you go into sin. But he starts off with, 
I cannot tell you the richness of the joy. Oh, really? What From what? Repentance. Oh. <laughs> and let me tell you of the misery of resisting God. But he's, So he kind of starts off with, here's the appeal. Uh, don't you want to, to know blessing? Uh, don't you want to know a right relationship with God? Let me show you how I got there. So, I, so maybe it's it's that it's just a way of teaching. Yes, <laughs> this is the elevator pitch. Let me, or at least this is a grab your attention kind of thing. But yeah, here's the story. I am incredibly joyful uh, because, uh, and no, he so he kind of makes it generic. The one who, whose sin is covered, uh, the one, the man to whom the Lord does not impute uh, in, iniquity. So uh, let me tell you about the joy of forgiveness. And then he goes in and starts building the story. So, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a teaching method that maybe we can learn from. 11 verses. Any other thoughts or uh, interactions, lessons from it? Yes, sir. Uh, in, in verse 6, he yeah. says, For this cause everyone who is godly shall pray to you, in a time when you may be found, does this hint that maybe if your sin goes on and on, God isn't going to hear you, he's just going to take you home? So in a time when you may be found. Um, using the Lord's Supper. Yeah, so there was an example where it got to the place, so you died and you're out of time. Uh, today is the day of salvation. There's another passage. Um, of course, you know there's some people that Felt like uh, I'll repent later. Maybe you won't have an opportunity later. Um, so, so um, yeah. So I think there that may be some of what's going on there for this. Uh, in the time when you may be found, um, yeah, I think that may. And you know, in Hebrews six, it talks about the concept of you could get to the place where there is no repentance. You know, you're so hardened. So, um, yeah, good, very good observation. God gave them over. Yeah, yeah. So that's, so I think too, that's just, that's the, that's the other side of sin is we can take it lightly and we can think, I can always, I can always uh, jump out you know, before it gets really bad. And how often, you know, you've heard and I've heard the testimonies of people saying, I can't believe that this has happened to me. You know, while they played and dabbled with sin, next thing you know, it has just completely crushed their life. Um, so he's saying, now's the time. Now's the time when God, when, when God may be, um, how does he say it, where you shall... When you may be found. Good. Good. Any other thoughts or observations in there? It's a good psalm. It's a and it's a and again, this is one. This is a psalm that Paul uses uh, in Romans four, and we'll um, we'll talk about that Sunday night. But one of the things notice he's, this is all about salvation by grace through faith, and so in Romans four, when Paul. Um, is, is presenting the gospel. So in chapter 1, he shows man's sin. In chap, chapters 1 and 2, in chapter 3, he shows God's provision. We're justified by grace through faith in Christ. And then chapter 4, some people might com- say, complain and say, this is some new doctrine contrary to our scriptures. And he says, oh, no, it's not new. And so he begins with, with uh, Abraham. It does, doesn't our scripture say? Abraham believed God, and, and he was justified. He was declared righteous. So Abraham experienced this, and so did David. Abraham before the Mosaic Law, David after the Mosaic Law. Um, both of them express salvation by grace through faith. Good. Very good. Well, we will, without further comment, we will stop there.
Sir. This sounds a lot like Martin Luther, who confessed over and over and over again and couldn't find any, he couldn't find any relief though with his confession until. Okay, so, so yeah, that's a good point brought up. Okay, so Martin Luther, of course, you know, and that was a remarkable thing. He, he could confess for three or four hours and he, he wouldn't even get back to, you know, to the next doorway before he felt like he had to go back to the confessional again and confess more. Um, partly that's because he wasn't getting the song. That it's, by, it's a God's gracious forgiveness you know, because in the Roman Catholic system, the confession is tied with penance, and that's where you do uh, certain works, whether it be prayers or whatever, uh, that help you deal with the, the you know, the, the penalties of the sin. Um, it was actually before Martin Luther got to the Book of Romans and was really hammered by the just shall live by faith, and then he thought alone. The first book that really started un- awakening him to the gospel was Psalms. That was his first book he was teaching. And so I wonder if passages like Psalm 32, Psalm 51, um, Psalm 103, just, uh, you know, you're, you've, you've taken my sin as far away from me as east is from the west. That was not, that was not Luther's experience. And so you, you could just imagine him reading this. He knows David's life. He's, let's take, assume it's the Bathsheba thing, and he's thinking... Look at look at the how free, how joyful, how unlike Martin Luther in his, in the monastery, and so I you know God was uh, this may have been one of the passages I'll have to look at his commentary on Psalms and see what he says about it. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, this was apparently a favorite psalm of Augustine. Or Augustine, however you want to pronounce it. Well, let me uh, close this in prayer, and then we'll find out how to pray with one another. Our Lord, we thank you for uh, your word. And Father, I thank you that your word tells us of your incredible grace, your amazing grace, that can give such a full and free pardon. Father, we do pray. Father, I pray for any who might hear these words in one context or another, who has been under your lovingly heavy hand. Father, may they hear these words and flee to the path of confession and repentance. Father, as we think about this, we perhaps have thought about loved ones that are there under the, under the, the sorrows of sin. And we join our hearts, Father, and pray. You would bring believers into their life, that your Holy Spirit would bring your word, that they might know the delivery, the joy of turning to you in repentance. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.